Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews. Shopping tips. Driving green. Electric cars. Classic cars. And plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Hey, thanks for joining us today. When you get a chance, please check us out at ConsumerGuide.com. While you're there, check out our 2021 Best Buy Picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you are looking for a new vehicle. You will also want to check out our blog for in-depth reviews of all the vehicles we're driving here at Consumer Guide and all sorts of other fun stuff. And if you have missed an episode or two of the podcast, you can catch up right there on our homepage. You can just stream stuff. The whole catalog of every back episode is right there. If you have questions or comments for us, if you want to tell me I'm doing an awesome job, drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That is carstuff at consumerguide.com. All right, let's see who is online with us today. She is the managing editor of Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, and her freelance work can be found all over the internet. Welcome to the show, Jill Simonillo. Hello. Uh, How are you? Good to be here. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, the sun is shining, uh, even if it's not warm. Um, but I have no complaints today. We had, it's Thursday when we record this, April Fool's uh-huh. Day, um, and earlier this week it was pretty warm, and then it just got cold sometime yesterday. Yeah, and I'm hoping it's Chicago. supposed to get warm again, so maybe by the time people are actually listening to this, uh, it will be warm again. That's that. Yes, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, welcome to Chicago, just blink and the weather changes. All right. He is the senior editor here at Consumer Guide Automotive, and his graphic novel treatment of the motion picture Steel Magnolias is now available for pre-order. Welcome, Damon Bell. Oh, oh, hold on just a second. All right. I just hit send on an email, Tom, to you to tell you you're doing an awesome job. Thank you. (laughs) Steel Magnolias? Yeah. Graphic novel. Hmm. Is that the? No, I'm I'm getting steel magnolias mixed up with fried green tomatoes. I think which one had Dolly Parton in it? That was I don't know, I don't know the answer to that. Was Dolly Parton in one of those? What was there a movie called Fried Green Tomatoes? I thought the fried green the, tomatoes were in Steel Magnolias. No, I think there was a movie <laughs> no. called Fried Green Tomatoes. Was okay. Kathy Bates in that? I've not seen either one. Which Kathy would be problematic Bates. if I made a if I made a graphic novel. <laughs> Here's what I remember about the two movies. I remember nothing about fried green tomatoes except for an amputation. And and Steel Magnolias had Olympia (laughs) Dukakis in it. Okay. Did one of them have Julia Roberts, too? Steel Magnolias. Okay. Yeah, she was a diabetic, I think. Yes. Okay, Are are they both set in the South? I think so. Fried green tomatoes is kind of a Southern thing, I think. Yeah, yes. I mean, where else would you get fried green tomatoes? I mean, I guess they make them up here now. Hmm. Nah. nah. <laughs> They're pretty good, actually. I, now, now I'm, I'm going to have to to seek out these movies and watch them. If, if you were to do just an incidence check on the likelihood of someone in Chicago versus the likelihood of someone in Atlanta sitting down to a snack of sweet tea and fried green tomatoes, <laughs> I'm thinking Atlanta. Yeah. What would the Chicago equivalent be then? 
Uh, I don't know. Like a beer, hot dog, an beer Italian and pretzels, beef? yeah. An Italian beef. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hmm. Hey, our guest today is Nina Huskin of Electrify America. We're going to catch up with what Electrify America has been doing these days and look at the outfit's new Electrify Home program. You don't want to miss this conversation. But, but first, guys, we did it again. We've all driven more or less the same vehicle recently. Mm-hmm. Damon, what was that vehicle? Well, I would categorize it as one of the uh, most important uh, headline-grabbing new for 2021 vehicles, and that's the Ford Bronco Sport. Yes. There's actually two Broncos that Ford is introducing. Obviously, it's been a, a long-teased uh, item that Ford is bringing back its iconic Bronco off-roader. Um, that's and that's finally come to fruition. They were teasing it for years and years and years, and now they finally they finally took the wraps off last year. Um, and in addition to the Bronco, there is a smaller, uh, slightly more everyday practical version called the Bronco Sport. And the Bronco Sport is the vehicle that that we've all driven now. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think we were all pretty impressed with it. Correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and let's frame this a little bit. The Bronco is more or less direct competition for the Jeep Wrangler, right? Um, and and as such, is a little bit dedicated to that off-roady thing. Mm-hmm. And we haven't driven it yet, but whatever compromises it has are in the name of true off-road performance. The Bronco Sport is really much more of a mainstream vehicle. And Damon, you and I have had this conversation offline a couple of times. I think that this is a segment buster. I think this is going to be one of the most popular things that Ford has introduced in a very long time. Yeah, I would I would agree. And and for the for the reasons of it being a little bit small smaller, a little bit more everyday practical and a little bit more affordable than the full-fledged uh Wrangler competitor Bronco. Yeah. Yeah, and it has its off-road cred, right? Julie, you drove the Badlands variant, is that correct? I did. Uh, so I had the Badlands variant, and it was it was fascinating because um, I was surprised at how tiny it was, frankly. And um, I, you know, it, it, one of I, I put a video out on TikTok, and somebody was like, "That looks really small." And I know you're small. Can you go stand next to it? <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And then I was like looking at the video afterwards, and I I, I thought, "Wow." So I mean. I had parked between a Honda HRV and um, a Nissan Rogue, and it was, I mean, it was pretty similarly sized to, like, right in between both of those vehicles. And, and, and I, so I thought that was kind of small. But the thing that my takeaway was when they revealed these vehicles, I was like, ooh, Bronco, 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 Bronco Sport, meh. But then I got behind the wheel of the Bronco Sport, and it was like, oh, my gosh. This, this is amazing. This is awesome. It's fun to drive. It looks really cool. It has a lot of interesting, clever features. I, I, and I think it may be only in the Badlands, but, like, the back seat flips up for storage. Um, there's, like, a, a secret storage container underneath the back seat. And oh, under, under the seat cushions? Yes, um, but only okay. on the passenger side. And um, so, I mean... Just some interesting, clever, like in the the management system um, with straps on the back of the seats where you can hook or latch things instead of a pocket. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so just like clever, clever features. And I, I walked into the test thinking, okay, this is going to be cool. And I walked away from it thinking this was actually really cool. And, and, and that's the thing here is, is that we can look at Subaru for their incredible success at building things that look off-roady and to some mm-hmm. degree are off-roady, off-roady that, that just catch people's attention. Subaru couldn't give away a legacy wagon if they tried, right? <laughs> That's their mid-sized car. And if there was a wagon version of it, which there is not, they probably wouldn't sell any. But the Outback, which is raised slightly, has lower body cladding, it looks a little bit off-roady, sells like hotcakes for the brand. And the yeah. Crosstrek, which is based on their little Impreza, same deal. They don't sell a lot of Imprezas, they sell an awful lot of the little Crosstreks. And, and I think that Ford has done that even more successfully here. This is a compact crossover. Um, I know you said that it's small, Joe, but but in reality, I f- I'm a big guy and I fit just fine in this. This is one of those four Tom cars where I could be in every seating position at the same time. And be you very could? Really? Yeah. Because hmm. yeah. I, it, I honestly, I'm like, oh, this is, it, it, it just oozes personality. It's this mm-hmm. it does. shape and it's it just, it's got a fun, adventurous look to it, and there's a plethora of colors and, and trim you know, options that you can really personalize it, which is a big part of its appeal. And I was like, oh, how practical would this be for a, a Bell family vehicle? Got it home and realized that the back seat is just not big enough. Um, my kids are already, you know, bigger than me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're they're gonna they're gonna pass you uh, height wise, well, probably later on this afternoon. Actually, I know. I'm like, they're what? They're like, you know, four, and they're already taller than I am. No, <laughs> yeah, not, nine and seven, nine yeah. and seven, and they're they're not even technically out of booster seats yet. Although the older one complains that he still has to sit in one. But in very short order, the back seat is just not going to be big enough uh, behind me in the in the driver's seat. It is this Bronco Sport is priced higher uh, into the realm of full compact SUVs. But as far as the shadow it casts, it's at the upper end of a subcompact uh, SUV such as a Kia Seltos or a Nissan Rogue Sport. So. Um, and that tidiness is part of the appeal in some ways, but there's only so much you can cram into a small uh, package like that. And the, the rear seat space is, is something of a deal breaker for me, but for a lot of people, it, it won't be. Damon, did you, you have to push the seat all the way back, correct? I do. Yeah, because of the chair-like seating position in that vehicle, I don't. Um, mm. So maybe just because you're about four inches, five inches taller than I am. Yeah. Um, usually I have to push yep. I have to push the seat all the way back. I didn't find that the situation here. And 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 to be clear, it's only legroom that's the issue because of that right. blocky upright styling. Headroom in both the front and uh back seats is outstanding. Yeah. Well, so. you know it, and obviously I didn't have a problem. Um I, I could <laughs> I could sit behind myself in every seating position with limo like uh limo like uh legroom. Um <laughs> But, you know, one of the other things I I wanted to point out about this vehicle, and it's appropriate because a lot of people are going to be listening to this on Easter Sunday, um, but the Bronco Sport, I don't know if you guys caught it, there are a lot of Easter eggs in this Mm -hmm. vehicle. I caught the little graphic on the the rear window glass. There's like 20 of them. 
And oh, um, what I, other I mean, ones did you find? Well, I didn't find them. So that that was the thing. I was so bummed because. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Forrest on Autos, but he has he has a TikTok account that I follow, and he like caught all of the the Easter eggs. And so I was watching it, and I was like, "Dang it!" Because it was literally the day after <laughs> I had the Bronco Sport. But like, you have to lift up like the the pads on the um, like in the, on, like where the charging pad is supposed to go. If you lift that up, there's um, images under there. There's on the tie down hooks. In the back, there's little lassos, um, and mm. uh, and and so it's just like a whole bunch of things. Like you act, you had to look for them. And you know, I caught the one on the back window. You know, I, there was like a, a little um, bronco on the headlight. I caught, and um, you know, some of the other little Easter eggs that were pretty obvious, but I didn't lift anything up to look for it. Mm. And and so. Um, I, like I, I want it again because I want to go and I want to take pictures of all the Easter eggs because it mm. was just it was really cool. So, um, but I, I figured that would be an appropriate thing to mention since uh, you know Easter Sunday and uh, Easter. Yeah, eggs. about Easter <laughs> eggs. Can I officially be tired of them? Nope. Uh, nope. Jill, you, you, Jill, you said they were cleverly hidden and that you had to look for them, but you don't have to look for them. I you do. <laughs> it's so much fun. Come it's on. not fun. It's fun I for love journalists. When you've made the 40th payment on this vehicle, you're really not going to care about those Easter eggs anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm some of them are going to, the ones that are on the glass are going to scrape up over time. Other ones are going to get scuffed and you're going to be like, oh, look, another picture of a Bronco. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I did want to talk about the driving, uh, the driving experience, though, just a little bit. The, the version that Damon and I drove here at Consumer Guide was powered by Ford's new uh, 1.5 liter three-cylinder engine. And Ford has been careful not to use the term three-cylinder. You kind of have to dig into the... Yeah, it sounds like something that would be tough to sell through, you know, but... <laughs> Powered by it, hamsters? Yeah, well, I, I think that's the perception. I think people might... Right. Who's going to buy a three-cylinder car? It's also available in the Ford Escort, for example, but... I'm sorry, Escape. the Escape. Escape. <laughs> Escort. How uh, old am I? Um, Throwback Thursday. It, the three-cylinder provides plenty of power, but if you're looking for it, I think you're going to find that it's got some quirks. Yeah, the idle's a little throbby at low speed. Um, though the it has, to, it has to it has to work pretty hard. It, it's a hundred. It's 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 a hundred and eighty-one horsepower. Uh, yeah, which, which is plenty. More than respectable, but it's got to rev pretty high to get there. And the eight-speed transmission shifts smoothly. But it has to shift quite a bit to extract the most from that three-cylinder. Yeah, and that's my point exactly. Uh, if you're looking at a Bronco Sport, just test drive the version you're driving and make sure you can live with that. It's yeah. not bad. If you're me, it's going to annoy you a little bit. Now, Jill, you drove the <laughs> two-liter turbo, and that's a four-cylinder. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's a it's the two liter EcoBoost. It has two hundred and fifty horsepower, two hundred and seventy seven pound feet of torque, and I thought it was really good. Yeah, um, that's a I, bunch of power. I, I tend to be a very aggressive driver. Um, shocker, I know. Uh, and and for me, you know, for the aggressive maneuvers you have to make in the city, you know, if off the line starts, the merging with the traffic on onto the Kennedy and passing. Um, people who are driving in the wrong lanes. Um, I, I thought it did well in all of those situations. And, and again, because of the petite size, it is incredibly maneuverable. So uh, I, I thought that the, the two liter was um, really well powered and perfect for somebody like me who's more on the aggressive side of things. 
Yeah, so there you have it. I think this thing's going to sell really well. If people are thinking about a small crossover, this might be something you look at, especially if you're looking for something that looks a little bit more off-roady and a little mm -hmm. bit more fun. That fun thing actually kind of carries through. It's kind of fun to drive. Um, so there it is. You can read our reviews coming soon. Jill, have you written a review yet? Um, I have not. I have a, a pending video, but uh, maybe, maybe I'll get something written before this goes live so we can we can link to it. All right, sounds good. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we talk to Nina Huskin of Electrify America about Electrify America's new Electrify Home program. Stick around. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for joining us. Hey, this is the part of the show when I strongly recommend that you follow me on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom. That is car underscore guy underscore Tom on Twitter. I promise to entertain you. All right, our guest today is the Senior Manager for Electrify Home and E-Commerce Business Units at Electrify America. Welcome to the Car Stuff Podcast, Nita Huskin. Thank you very much, Tom. I'm delighted to be here today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I think that we had someone from Electrify America on many months ago, and I think that since that time, people have probably become more aware of what you guys are doing. But for people who don't know, tell us a little bit about Electrify America and what your mission is. Of course. Um, Electrify America is the largest open public ultra-fast EV charging network in the U.S. Uh, the company is investing $2 billion uh, U.S. dollars over 10 years zero-emission vehicle infrastructure, education, and access. Now, Electrify America is making some news now because you guys have been taking on OEM partners to some extent. And I think that most famously, the, the Ford Mach-E, which is Ford's compact electric crossover, um, is part of that partnership. How does that work when uh, a manufacturer partners with uh, Electrify America? What does that mean for the buying public? Yeah, that's a great question. So we currently have uh, collaborated with 10 automakers uh, to date uh, to offer uh, customers a charging uh, package as part of their purchase of a new EV. Um, we believe that this type of co uh, collaboration helps incentivize adoption of new EVs coming onto the market and educate drivers on public fast charging. Now, the, the network itself, how many charging stations do you guys have these days? We have built more uh, than 560 charging stations with over 2,400 uh, individual chargers. And that network, this is the thing I think gets lost in the conversation, and this is where we get to your new home station project, is that people worry that there aren't enough chargers out there yet. And maybe that's true, maybe that's not true, but it's certainly becoming a more friendly environment for would-be EV drivers. But you can charge on the road, but one thing that's different than filling up your gasoline-powered car with gasoline is that you can also charge at home. Yes. Um, the um, About 80% of EV charging actually takes place at home. Um, it is a much more convenient, um, speedy, and, and flexible way of char for, for drivers to charge their electric vehicle. 
Um, so it's a wonderful opportunity to to uh, for owners of uh, electric vehicles and plug-in vehicles to benefit from their um, uh, cheaper uh, electricity rates at home. Right, and that's that's an interesting point. Now, Electrify America, if if correct me if I'm wrong, if you were part of a a partnership when you purchase your vehicle, you may be charging for free for a little while, but then there is a charge either per kilowatt hour or for the time that you're online. But if you're at home, you're just paying for electricity. And I don't know that people know how much more affordable electri- electricity is works out to be energy-wise than gasoline. Yes, that's correct. The electricity is, is much cheaper at home. So since you, you're basically using a 240 volt outlet to charge with the help of the home charger, you basically use the same um, or, or uh, take benefit from the same electricity rate that you are benefiting from uh, when you're using your appliances at home already. Um, so compared to gasoline, that's a much cheaper way of, of charging and, and operating your vehicle at home. So um, the the average uh, kilowatt uh, rate in the U.S. is at uh, 13 cents. So if you analyze and, and look at electric uh, vehicles, um, it, it costs you about um, to, to charge um, for 100 miles range, assuming that the, the average EV battery requires 30 kilowatt hours uh, to, to charge, you would, you would spend about $3, $3.90 on average uh, to charge uh, up to 100 miles. If you now compare that with uh, the gasoline prices that you pay, um, that is just, uh, on average, a third of what you would, would have to pay for gas. And you get the added convenience to be able to charge at home, you know, when you when you get back after after work, yeah, and you you park electric vehicle, um, you have the opportunity to just plug it in and charge overnight. Um, and in some areas, the electricity rates even drop further um, at night, so that will secure you extra savings. Yeah, and I wanted to to talk a little bit more about the home station charger. And the thing that intrigued me in reading the the materials on it is the connected capabilities, mm-hmm. um, and that you can control a lot of this stuff from uh, an Electrify America app on your smartphone. So can uh, uh, that intrigues me for a couple things. One is. Uh, I have too many apps on my phone already, (laughs) so the fact that you can have uh, an app that controls both, that you can interface with both your home charger and public chargers, Electrify America public chargers, is a nice kind of streamlining feature for me because I don't like to learn umpteen different interfaces and such. Can you talk a little bit about what are some of the functions that the uh, app, uh, that you can control the home charger via the smartphone app? Yeah, I will be glad to. And I, I think we all have too many apps on our, our phones. And that was, uh, that was certainly uh, one of the thoughts that we had, uh, wanting to make sure that we integrate the home charging features into the, the newly designed Electrify uh, America app. Um, the benefit is when you um, have, you know, purchased the, the, the home station and set it up via your Wi-Fi, um, it allows you to uh, sync the unit via the app. Um, what that allows for is basically once once you have plugged in um, the, the charger, once you, you, you park your car in your garage or driveway, you can um, start and stop uh, charging sessions remotely. 
Um, you can also go ahead and uh, set up a schedule for any future home charging um, session. So it's, it's, it's very convenient. You can set up up to uh, seven days in advance and, and select the windows you would like to to uh, charge in. Um, and then you also can, um, you know, check in, in real time the charging status status and, and set up certain reminders, such as, you know, if you if the vehicle has completed the charge and you're ready to to go. Um, so that all provides a lot of extra convenience for for the customer. And we believe that really helps um, customers um, to to keep an independent lifestyle and, and really integrate the charging into their uh, daily daily life um, very well. Um, also, um, additionally to that, the opportunity to to have everything integrated into one app is the customer can actually look at the charging history combined. So, um, as I had mentioned, eighty percent of the the charging takes place uh, at home, but. If uh, a customer is, is on the road and, and charges through our stations, they can um, see the, the, the complete charging history um, integrated into that app. Hmm. So I, I wanted to ask, you know, a lot of people who are going to be listening to this probably are not electric car owners. And, you know, the idea of having to install something in their home to charge might be a little bit foreign or a little bit confusing, sure. um, maybe even a little bit scary. And and so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, um, like, how, how, how would you buy something like this? Would you buy it through the automaker? Do you buy it, like, come to your website to buy it? Do you buy it at Home Depot? And um, then um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the cost associated with it, because... You know, when somebody's thinking, oh, man, I'm going to, you know, spend a premium to buy an electric car. And then, you know, oh, I have to spend thousands of dollars on buying a home charging station. And, and first off, I want to say that's not true. Um, but I was just wondering if you could explain a little bit about, like, how, how do you get this and how much does it cost? Of course. Um, so the, the home station will be uh, available uh, later this spring. Uh, it will be sold for $649 including free shipping and returns. Uh, we will sell the units um, via our um, web store on our Electrify America uh, website. There is a, a specific section um, where customers right now can uh, uh, visit and sign up for exclusive updates on the home station. The address is www.electrifyhome.com. And um, this this allows for the customer to purchase the, the unit and have it shipped directly to their home. So it's a very uh, convenient way of, of securing the charger. Um, in regards to the installation, uh, we have partnered with uh, our installation partner, Kumerit. Uh, it allows um, for, for, for customers, as part of the checkout process, uh, to investigate the, the installation options. And... I agree with you. Not everybody is is aware how easy it is actually to get the the home station um, and and uh, home chargers installed at home. Um, the supply power requirements are are compatible with uh, most electric uh, dryer power circuits. So, mm -hmm. um, as long as customers have a 240 volt um, outlet at home, um, they have the opportunity, um, of course, uh, and we always encourage that. Um, to to uh, sign up for an, for an installation 
and have a licensed and um, certified local uh, installer uh, help with with the installation at home um, and you know quickly get the the charger set up either um, um, it works uh, indoors or, or outdoors so have it either um, installed in the garage or in the driveway whatever the customer prefers so Nina this unit is is weatherproof you can you can install it outside yes it is um, and and um, that was one of uh, the one of our focuses as we developed the unit, uh, we wanted to make sure that this product is really as flexible as possible for the customer's need. Um, so you have the opportunity to install it um, indoors and outdoors. Um, there is the opportunity to, as I had mentioned, to either plug in the unit via a NEMA 1450 plug that it comes with or to have the unit hardwired. I think, too, when we're talking about charging stations, people might imagine something very large. Um, and, and, in fact, here at Consumer Guide, we have a very early charge point unit that is enormous. <laughs> and, it's, and it's parked outside. But, in fact, the unit you guys are selling, uh, the home station, it's pretty tidy. It's a little it's a little black thing with a, with a long cord. And I, I think that people thinking that this is some big infrastructure move and that it's going to take up all sorts of space in the garage. That's not the case. This is actually a tidy, rather tidy installation. Yes, it is, is very, um, it, it can be installed very, very convenient. Uh, it doesn't take up a lot of space. Uh, the unit is quite uh, compact. Um, it has um, what we believe is, is quite a, a stylish design. Um, it is it is a black uh, unit. Um, it will also be delivered with a charging holster, so the customer has the opportunity uh, to roll up the 24 uh, feet cable it comes with, um, so that that is not in the way, and then plug it into the, the charging holster. So um, it is it is really uh, designed to to not take up a lot of space in in a customer's uh, garage or or driveway. What is the typical installation cost? If, if you're, um, I, I'm, I'm relatively handy, but I'm really lazy. So if I received one, <laughs> uh, what would it cost me in a normal home to have this installed? Yeah, that's, that's an excellent question. So the installations uh, uh, can vary greatly. It really sure. depends um, how the, uh, the electric infrastructure and, and, and the size of the electric panel is at the customer's home. Um, what we have seen, and, and as I had mentioned, we, we partnered with, with Comerit on all of this, that the majority of the, the uh, installations, assuming that it's a little bit of a newer, newer home and there, that it doesn't require a, a panel upgrade, um, can start just around um, uh, $600 to $700. Um, so it's really not as costly as many uh, people think. Um, it can, of course, vary if um, there's any infrastructure um, upgrades that have to be made, or if an electrician has to, uh, you know, go through through walls or so. But um, I, I think that those are usually more outliers. So what we're saying here basically is, if you are a first-time electric car buyer and you don't have a charger at home yet, you're looking at probably, if you use the Electrify uh, America home station, probably an outlay of 13 or 1400 bucks on average. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that sounds about right. That's pretty cool. So why did Electrify America expand into the home charging? 
Yeah, that's an, that's that's an excellent question. So uh, we believe um, in, in order to fulfill um, the mission and what we certainly believe in to drive the EV adoption, one of the critical piece is the home charging. Um, it's it's really the convenience of, of, of being able to 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 charge overnight. Um, the OEMs provide um, what we call a level one uh, cable once you purchase the electric uh, vehicle. Um, however, that charging uh, cycle to, to, to use that cable um, takes takes way too long. So the benefit Painful really slow. comes. <laughs> it's I, I'm slow. Yes, yes. So, so you know, with a level one uh, cable, the, the charge can take up uh, to to a full day. Um, the home charging is really what what makes it, um, I would say, usable. Um, so with with the home station, the opportunity is to charge. Um, it, it varies by car, but somewhere between six to eight hours. So overnight again. So um, what was critical for us is since there is um, the convenience of, of home charging, uh, we wanted to make sh- sure that uh, we can support um, uh, that need and, and, and basically support customers um, in in taking the worry out of uh, the charging and ultimately drive EV adoption this way. All right. Well, we have run out of time, Nina, but we appreciate you joining us today. For people who are interested in Electrify America or in getting a home station, how do people find out more? The best way is, is really right now to sign up at electrifyhome.com. Um, the, whoever signs up will receive exclusive updates on the home station um, as we approach the uh, launch of the unit uh, later this spring. Sounds good. Nina, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much for having me. Awesome. All right. We were talking about Electrify America and the new home station. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, it's quiz time. Stick around. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Opel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, Jill. Hey, yeah. You do that social media stuff. Uh, you're active on Hooskow. How can the kids follow you there? Who's what? Hooskow. Cow is in like moo? No, Hooskow. Yeah, I got nothing. Um, I, I, <laughs> I got nothing. No, I, I'm not. I'm not uh, active on whatever it was that you said. Um, but I, you can find me on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube and Instagram, all all under my name, Jill Simonello. Um, and uh, if you're feeling sassy, you can actually search for the hashtag hashtag Um And anything I post on social, including LinkedIn. You can find me with that hashtag. Did you say sassy? Sassy. In 57 years, I have never felt sassy. Well, that is very sad for you because you should at least feel sassy once. <laughs> Damon, you're a hoosie. What's the deal? <laughs> Hoopscow, that's like uh, the clink or the pokey, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't heard that. Is it specifically like a military prison? I don't know. It comes up in it comes up in gun smoke. Yeah, yeah. It's old old timey jail, right? One way yeah. to go. get thrown in the hooskow. I've never no. heard that word. 
Seriously? Seriously, I have no, like, you would have to spell it for me. I have no idea what you're saying. It, Jill, it, it may not surprise you then that com is available. Uh, maybe you should buy that. And you could create a social network for whatever, what, prisoners? I don't know. Based on your response to the word, I suspect that it may not be in the the popular vernacular. In the, yeah, no, I I got nothing. I have no idea what you're saying. Damon, how can the kids follow you uh, in any social media? Oh, yes. I'm not in the Who's Gal, but I am on Twitter at Damon Bell Likes Cars. Damon Bell Likes Cars. All right, follow those kids. They're worth... They're, they're worth tracking. Uh, do you know what time it is? Anyone? Anyone? Oh, uh, if uh, tradition holds, it's quiz time. Tradition has held, and it is quiz time. I hope you guys are ready. Today's topic is horsepower. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right. Joe, you go. What's that? Not who's gal, but horsepower. No. No, not who's gal. <laughs> Jill, you go first this week. Okay. Jill, okay. which of the following vehicles boasts the most horsepower? Are you ready? Uh, no, but go ahead. All right. <laughs> the 2021 Chevrolet Colorado equipped with the available 3.6 liter V6 or the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier with its standard and only 3.8 liter V6? Uh, see, now there's a whole bunch of tricky stuff in there. Um, so you, you said Silverado versus Frontier, right? Colorado. Okay, good. That, that I was going to say, that that would make it really even trickier. Um, cause it, but you're comparing midsize to midsize. Um, but yeah, we, you know, with, you, with the larger displacement, you might be tempted to think that the Frontier would have more horsepower. You might. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Colorado. All right, Damon, same question to you. Both oh. gasoline V6s. I know Nissan, and we just talked about the Frontier last week. We did, we oh, did, we if you guys were paying attention. Yes, I'm sure that it was mentioned, and I, I know that a talking point for the, the, the Frontier is it's the most standard horsepower, but Colorado has a four-cylinder, I believe, so. Uh, is the Nissan V6 more powerful than... I, I'm going to, uh, just to make it interesting, I'll say Frontier. All right, so Jill, you have the Chevy. Damon, you have the Nissan, is that correct? Correct. Yes. Okay, well, the Chevy comes in at 308 horsepower. The Nissan at 310. So uh, Damon's on the board with uh, one. Two, two horsepower. Uh. <laughs> All righty. Damon, this question goes to you. Damon, which of the following vehicles boasts the most horsepower? The Honda Accord Touring with the 2-liter turbo or the Nissan Altima with the available 2-liter turbo? Mm, that's another good one. I, I, I feel like that Honda, that Honda Accord Turbo is pretty gutsy, so I'm going to say the Accord. The Accord? Jill, this question goes to you. Yeah, I also feel like the Accord is larger. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm also going to say Accord. Okay, you're both saying Honda Accord? Mm-hmm. You are both correct. 252 horsepower for the Honda, 248 for the Nissan. Mm. Wow. 
It is two to one. It's close. Jill is on the board. We go to question three. <laughs> Jill, this question goes to you. As an enthusiast, you should know the answer to this question. Uh, which has most? Which has more horsepower, the 2021 Chevrolet Camaro SS or the 2021 Ford Mustang GT? That is the Chevy 6.2 liter V8 versus the Ford 5 liter Coyote V8. Oh, I should. You, you did catch the part about being, you know, uh, well, it, not that it saves me. Uh, I was going to say being the managing editor for a pickup truck website. But, yeah, I totally bombed the first question, so that actually doesn't <laughs> help me. Um, mm. Oh, phooey. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the SS, the Camaro SS. All right, you're saying Camaro. Damon, this question goes to you. Camaro SS with its 6.2 liter V8 or the Ford Mustang with its 5 liter V8? More horsepower. Oh, gosh. I, I know they're both under... I know that they are both over 400, but I can't... And I know they're within spitting distance of each other, like the earlier questions you asked, so... Yes and yes. It's almost <laughs> elementary... But yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the it's fully in step with your diabolical uh, nature here. Yeah, these are all close today. God, is it? Meaning? I feel like it's like four oh five and four ten, but I can't remember which is which. <laughs> um, Good head for the numbers, though. Nah. You you have the difference correct. remember which I think I'm going to agree with I'm going to agree with Jill and say the Camaro so you both said Camaro yes all right well the 2021 Chevrolet Camaro SS with its 6.2 liter V8 is rated at 455 horsepower the 2021 Mustang GT with its Coyote V8 which is an overhead cam engine uh rated at 460 you are both Ooh. wrong If it matters, the, the Chevy cranks out a whole lot more torque. All right, Damon, this question goes to you. It's still two to one in favor of Damon. Damon, you can take a big lead now if you get this one right. Which of the following vehicles has uh, both the most horsepower? The 2021 Honda CRV with its standard 1.5 liter turbocharged engine, or the 2021 Toyota RAV4 with its standard normally aspirated 2.5 liter engine? Normally aspirated means no turbo. Can you, I'm sorry, can you read through those again? Yep, CRV or RAV4. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the engines again? The, the, uh, the CRV, CRV has a 1.5 liter turbo, four cylinder. The RAV4, a 2.5 liter non turbo, four cylinder. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess the RAV4. All right, Damon says RAV4, Joe? I mean, my inclination is actually to say the RAV4 as well, but um, I, I mean, I, I'm gonna take a chance here. And because you are mean, um, I'm, I'm going to say the, the CRV on the off chance that you're pulling a fast one. I, I don't know what pulling a fast one involves here, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, it means like lower displacement 
versus higher displacement. I, I could just, I, I don't know. At any rate, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm CRV. Um, so you took CRV, Damon took mm -hmm. RAV4, is that correct? Yes. That's correct. Damon moves further into the lead. Uh, uh, 203 horsepower see, from the now, Toyota. Now you're inside my head. <laughs> That's his goal with all these. I know. One nine, 190 horse for the Honda. All right. Uh, Jill, this just became academic, but I do yeah. have a pickup truck question for you. I hope you're ready. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, but okay, yes. All right. Which boasts most horsepower? The Ram 1500 with a base 3.6 liter Pentastar V6? Or the Chevy Silverado with its base 4.3 liter Ecotec? Ecotec 3 V6. Ooh. So I haven't ever driven the Silverado with the base engine. I haven't um, either. None of us have. Um, I I really like the the Pentastar V6 from Ram. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put that out there. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for that. Okay, so the smaller you're going with the smaller engine. Yep. All right. Which is overhead cam, by the way, versus the push rod Silverado engine. Uh, Damon, this question goes to you. Yeah, I think I have to agree with Jill and say that the, the Ram V6 uh, edges out the Silverado V6. You guys are both correct. 305 horsepower to 285, though the Chevy cranks out a whole lot more torque. Mm. All right, so that is Damon, four to one. Uh has won, but we still go to the bonus question because it amuses me. I hope you guys are Actually, ready. Actually, it would be four to two since we tied twice. Did you? Did, did you just get that? Oh, you did. That's correct, Joe. I'm like, give, give me my point, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. I apologize. That's right. It's four to two. All right. Damon, uh, the bonus question goes to you first. I hope you're ready. Uh, I am. All right, from an article posted on nme.au, which of the following was not a popular Australian TV show last year? Are you ready? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun, Mystery Road, Hungry Ghosts, or Bob's Amazing Silver Pants? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, just one of those is fake. <laughs> That's correct. Or Bang. one of those was not in the top ten. They could all be real. Oh. No, one of them is actually fake. Okay. <sighs> Can you read through those one more time, please? I would be delighted to. <laughs> yeah, I know you would be. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun, Mystery Road, Hungry Ghosts, or Bob's Amazing Silver Pants? I'm going to say Bob's Amazing Silver Pants. You're saying that's the fake TV show. Correct. The fake Australian TV show. Jill, this question goes to you. Yeah, I, because that one sounds so fake, I can't, I can't do it. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what the most boring one is. And I, I think Probably it's either Probably Mystery gotta, Road. Yeah, it was like, it's either got to be like Mystery Road or Hungry Ghosts. Because, uh, you know, I mean, ghosts, ghosts are hungry. It's just what, you know, are they eating people's souls? I, I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to go with Mystery Road. All right. So, Damon, you, cho <laughs> you chose Bob's Amazing Silver Pants, 
And, and, and Jill, you chose Mystery Road, correct? Yes. The correct answer was Bob's Amazing Silver Pants. Oh. Amy, what's the bonus oh. question this week? I'm very disappointed what? in you, Tom. <laughs> Basically, if the answer has pants in it, it's probably fake. That, but I'm, but yeah. I'm still very disappointed because, like, you, 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 you went for the obvious answer. I don't know. Auntie Donna's big old house of fun sounds made up to me, but what? And the more I think, what? What? After Jill, you were talking about it. Yeah. What would make a? What would constitute a hungry ghost? Soul? I don't know. Or do they know. eat? Do they eat physical human <laughs> food? Now, now we're gonna have to look this up, and we're we're gonna have to see. Um, you said it was hungry ghosts. So yeah, and 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 Donna's big old house of fun. Um, to Auntie me, that Donna. sounds like a Auntie Donna. Donna. That sounds like um, a kids' show. It might be. All right, but but enough about Australian TV, uh, Damon. <laughs> what what's going on at the CG Daily Drive this week? I uh, got a bunch of great articles this week. Um, we've got a review flashback of a vehicle from just a little over a decade ago, and I can't remember the last time I've seen one on the street. Uh, that's the 2009 Saturn Sky Redline. Yeah. Ooh. You remember the, the Saturn Sky and the Pontiac Solstice? Those oh, were yeah. two-seat uh, Roadster little sports cars. Uh, that great, were Great looking. Great I looking. love that car. Um, they were aimed squarely at the Mazda Miata. Um, uh-huh. I wanted to like both the Solstice and the, the Sky. I, I just did not fit in them they're worse than a miata in terms of big guy space Mm -hmm. and i never thought that they fully uh gelled into a delightful sports car like the miata always has but as interesting footnotes to gm history and probably a sleeper uh, sleeper collector cars in the future Mm -hmm. especially the red line and the hopped up version of the solstice they might have a following in the future I suspect that they will be collectible, and yeah, the sol- uh, that's the Solstice. Well, the Solstice and the Sky, the seating mm-hmm. position was absurd if you were over like five foot five. You looked <laughs> at the gauges over the top of the steering wheel. I Bizarre. remember that, yes. So th- this would be why I liked it. It was made for somebody my size. <laughs> yeah, it was made you like a glove, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, the only problem I had with it, and... Um, oh, I forget who our PR person was at the time, but I could not get the top down. Um, because it was a manual top operation, and you're supposed to be able to like lock it into place, and I could not get it down without actually standing on it. And um, there mm. may be pictures of me standing <laughs> on the on the on the on the top trying to get it down. I suspect um, that that's frowned on. Oh, it probably was in fact frowned on. Um, but keeping in mind, I only weigh about ninety pounds, so it wasn't like I was putting, you know, two hundred or you know whatever pounds on on the force of of the. But yeah, I, I couldn't get it down. Um, we, I mean, a lot of these lines. Do you remember the Pontiac Solstice Coupe? Yes, for a that's minute. Be an even yeah. rarer. Yeah. You want to talk about a collectible car? Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that that was right around the time of GM's bankruptcy, 2009-2010. So there's going to be a lot of vehicles that ended up being produced in really small numbers, performance vehicles too, that will certainly 
be rare and probably collectible, significant uh, collectibles in the future. I don't know if you guys remember this, and this is a little inside baseball, and we're running out of time, but yet I'm not going to stop. Um, <laughs> at the 2009 Midwest Automotive Media Association Spring Rally, which is an event that we all attend annually, um, they brought uh, a Pontiac Solstice Coupe to the event. Mm -hmm. And while we were at the event, it was it was determined that Pontiac was no more, and the vehicle was removed from the lineup of things. Oh we could, wow! It was parked by the fence, and we couldn't see it or go into it. Oh, so that's how rare that coupe that, is. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But Damon, what uh, else have we got going on this yes, week? Yes, just, just real quick, we have uh, some pickup. Uh, we've got uh, a review of the 2021 Ford F-150 Power Boost Hybrid. Yeah. Uh, the the newest most cutting edge entry into the full size pickup uh, segment, <laughs> and then we also have a review of the oldest uh, pickup in the large pickup segment. That's the twenty twenty one uh, Nissan Tundra. Uh, we in had a, a, in a great color. color. Yeah, very cool color called Lunar Rock, uh, which is sort of an industrial looking gray green color that's uh, very distinctive. Uh, but yes, Toyota's Tundra is the oldest uh, design in the full-size pickup uh, segment, but there is a redesigned Tundra uh, in the works for 2022 that would be interesting to see. Also for 2022, we have a quick first look at Hyundai is getting into the pickup segment, or at least the, the yeah. segment. They are uh, introducing the Santa Cruz, and they released teaser images of that this week. So we've got a, a first look on that as well. And it's a it's a right size thing. It should be much smaller than the other mid-sized trucks out there. Cool. Well, kids, guess what we did? Hmm. Talk too much? Bumped up against the clock. We, we bumped up, yes, we talked too much and bumped up against the clock. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what happened. All right, remember you can reach us here at CarStuff at ConsumerGuide.com. That is CarStuff at ConsumerGuide.com. Thanks, uh, thanks as always to our guest today. Today it was Nina Huskin of Electrify America. Thanks as always to Jill and Damon. Special thanks to producer Lady B and the good folks here at WCPT AM 820 in Chicago. I can't believe you keep us on the air. A special shout out to my radio mentor, Steve and Johnny. Let's talk more about cars again next week.